This programme was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Later this month, Dunedin's position as New Zealand's wildlife capital will be explored in the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival. From Earth Day, the 22nd of April, until Monday, the 25th of April, residents and visitors alike are encouraged to take a walk on the wild side, discovering and exploring the city's natural places from the highlands to the high seas. Here to tell us more about what's in store is Wild Dunedin Festival coordinator and convener, Neil Harroway. Good to have you with us on the awesome morning show. Neil, thanks for coming in. Kia ora, Jeff. Let's, let's start with a little bit about you, Neil. Tell us about your own relationship with the city and its wild side. Okay, well, I came to Dunedin in the early 70s uh, from Kurau. Grew up hunting and fishing, and it's easy in Dunedin to continue those kinds of outdoor pursuits. I was a journalist and then uh, slid into the natural history unit of TVNZ at the time. We started making a lot of wildlife documentaries around Dunedin and the kids' show Wild Track. So had a great chance to explore the environment of Dunedin and realised how special it is. Coming from the inland hills of North Otago, it was a novelty to see the ocean uh, and the moods of the ocean and the harbour and um, the rich life. So since that time, I've had a relationship with the environment of Dunedin in different ways. Um, I still go hunting and fishing a little bit and uh, I take a lot of photographs and now um, after 40 years in television, um, owning Monarch Wildlife Cruises, taking people out and showing them the animals that we made documentaries about uh, in the late 70s. So you certainly cemented that relationship with the harbour and its environment. So yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so tell us about the origins of this festival then. How did you become involved? Okay, well, uh, coming out of an international business environment, I was selling our ideas for NHNZ to global broadcasters, and then finding myself working in Dunedin, so working very locally, um, kind of for the first time for for decades, um, and getting involved in the tourist scene and sort of the nature scene again um, in Dunedin. Uh, It struck me that while we had all kinds of other festivals, the Science Festival, fantastic, Matariki, fantastic, you know, ID Fashion, all the Heritage Festival, which is also new, it struck me that we have no nature festival. And it is one of the great um, strengths of Dunedin. So thought, why not? Suggested it to um, a group of people, and everyone was enthusiastic. So all of the major nature organizations are enthusiastic. Um, the tourist operators, uh, the conservation groups, the community groups, everybody has said, yeah, this is, this is cool, and they've just gone for it. I mean, it is, uh, in, in many respects, a, a commercial um, uh, environment as well, and there is competition. All the kind. You didn't sense that there was any uh, any reluctance for people to be working together to celebrate Dunedin in this way? No. In tourism, I have been struck by how well people work together. They are competitors in a way, but there's a great amount of cooperation, so cooperation, and um, my business does that. Those arrangements were set up. Um, years ago. It's a small town. I think people know each other in their own spheres and they work together really well. So nothing but enthusiasm. It's one thing to have a wonderful idea. It's another to put it into practice. And looking at the schedule of events for Wild Dunedin, it is jam-packed. 
How did you even begin to start drawing those events together? Um, yes, it is. It is easy to have ideas, and uh, it has been a great group of people working hard to make those that idea into a reality. Well, we kind of started with a blank sheet of paper, threw down some ideas, but really also just went out to the community and asked the community groups, everything from Aramoana Conservation League to Forest and Bird to Fantail Trails, which is walks for kids, just asked people um, if they wanted to be involved. So that's really what the program is, those people who want to be involved, whether they are community groups or um, tourism operators. Many of the enterprises involved offer this wonderful tourist experience, but perhaps are not so much on the radar of Dunedin people. Are you aware of of, of that? And is this partly about um, just tapping people on the shoulder and saying, "Oi, you can go out and have these experiences too." Yeah. Well, being a, a, a tourist operator now, I'm struck by how few Dunedin people pay to go out and and see. Um, what we have. Uh, I guess a lot of people can go out themselves. There are boaties, there are walkers, but you know, you get out on those far peninsula beaches or you go to the the hills, even just Flagstaff, you don't see a whole lot of people. So there must be a lot of people in Dunedin who who don't get out and explore that much. And uh, we're finding them all the time and people say, oh, I'd forgotten how great the harbour is. And that must apply to the hills, the forests as well. And I suppose uh, another element to to uh, enjoying uh, Dunedin in this way is that you can tap into a little bit of expertise. There are people who give you a little bit of a history or tell you something you didn't know, even though perhaps you have had the chance to see it before. For sure. And, and these um, events over the weekend of um, the festival, those passionate and knowledgeable people are there. One great example is the um, Town Belt Walk at Ross Creek with a group of students, the APES students, which uh, are from a number of the departments, and they may be young, but they have some knowledge and they're out there willing to share it. We're enjoying some lovely weather at the moment. You will have thought quite carefully about the timing of this event. What makes it special at this time of year? Yeah, it is interesting that uh, Tourism New Zealand is busy spending about 80% of its budget um, to persuade overseas visitors to come in the autumn and spring. And again, they're kind of forgotten gems, especially in the south where the seasons are more pronounced. Um, We wanted to avoid the busyness of summer, but, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of change happening in spring and autumn. Um, New growth uh, or... Autumn colours, um, birds uh, hatching in spring and in autumn, birds flocking together for the winter. Migrants are departing or about to depart. Um, so there, there is a, there's, a, it's, there's a great feeling, you know, the weather is crisper. We're feeling that fantastic Otago uh, winter start to edge in. Your own experience with the monarch, it must be a real pleasure to be involved in witnessing other people's experience of discovery. Yeah. Myself, I I had been on the harbour a lot in the 80s and uh, was fishing, was out there filming, uh, windsurfing, and then I hadn't. I'd lost touch with the harbour, and uh, when I got back on it again, on the Monarch, with people saying, oh my gosh, this is a beautiful place, I thought, yeah, it really is. 
and the changing light, the changing tide, the changing weather, um, and the animals, there's always something different to see out there. Let's turn to the festival program now, Neil, and we simply can't walk through every element of it. It is such a busy program, but I am going to ask you a very unfair question, and I am going to ask you just to cherry-pick a few examples, perhaps, that, um, that uh, demonstrate the diversity of the program. Cool. Well, one that I think is fun, and everybody else must think is fun because it's already booked up, is the kite-making, the penguin kite-making and flying. Um, so that's for kids. That is already booked, 40, 40 people. Uh, so that's an indication of interest there. Uh, I thought that was great. But uh, for kids, the fabulous wild frogs at Otago Museum on the Saturday afternoon, and uh, one of the great professors from the zoology department, Phil Bishop, is there with Susie Cato, who's an ex-TV uh, host, also passionate about frogs, with some other creatures and good fun activities. Um, so I'm kind of looking at the things for children to do. There are a lot of walks. A lot of the walks that are open for everybody are also great for kids. Um, Aramoana Walk, um, the train trip to Tyree, uh, through the Tyree Gorge, and a walk to Sutton Salt Lake. So that is the local people in Middlemarch and the outer reaches of our city and joining forces with Dunedin Railways to um, take people through that fantastic landscape. Um, I like that because it kind of illustrates the diversity of Dunedin. Uh, the kayaking available on Sinclair wetlands, again, um, wetlands, forest, highlands, um, the forest at Orokanui, I guess, is the best example of, um, of a return, a, a conservation initiative and some fantastic action to start um, getting us closer to where New Zealand once was in primal times. So. I like those. One other great example, I think, of the diversity is the Bio Blitz on Otago Peninsula. So it's a group of specialists um, doing botanical and entomological and ornithological surveys. But at Pukihiki Hall, there's going to be displays and talks um, highlighting the work that um, STOP, Save the Otago Peninsula, and the Otago Peninsula Biodiversity Group are doing. You know, so they have been um, targeting possums, reducing the numbers of possums in the last three years, as a result of which the bird population has increased by 20%. That was a count of a year ago. So that's a great kind of mixture of um, expertise and also just something that everybody can go and, um, and see and learn about. The night sky, um, Beverly Beg Observatory, and there's some people setting up in the octagon. Uh, so... You know, nature isn't confined to what's on the ground around us here. The new director of Otago Museum is passionate about our night sky, and I think we're going to hear more about Dunedin's night sky, the aurora that you can see, um, even just the sunsets and sunrises. Fantastic. It's uh, an incredibly busy program, and we're going to find out more about it, of course, in the, the coming days and weeks as we lead up to the uh, 22nd of uh, April. Um some events are free, others are, um, there's a, a charge associated, but I guess uh, some of the operators involved come up with special deals for the events. Yes. Um, as happened with the Heritage Festival, there were free activities and operators um, opened their doors and gave um, deals. Those deals vary, great discounts. Monarch, for example, is doing 50% discount and $5 of each 
um, ticket will go to Penguin Conservation, and we are working with Elm Wildlife Tours on the Sunday. And again, it's a, a deep discount, and $10 of every ticket is going to Sea Lion Conservation. So that's an example of, of what's going on. Um, Penguin Place is doing a talk on on penguin rehabilitation. They've done a lot of work with DOC, with the Yellow-Eyed Penguin Trust, and some specialist vets. They had funding for a veterinarian this year. Um, starving penguins, penguins bitten by barracuda. So a lot of great work um, was done so people can learn about that and then go on a discounted uh, tour. I guess uh, the expertise that you're going to call on for this festival is pretty much locally based. Are there any special guests coming in? <clears throat> you mentioned Susie Cater coming, of course, and she's uh, the yes. host of Susie and Friends. Su- on. Susie uh, is an import. Um, the festival guest and the guy who will talk at the opening at the museum on Friday evening is Jeff Simmons. Now, he works with Gareth Morgan. <clears throat> Jeff is an economist, um, but he is working with Gareth on a lot of the conservation initiatives that the Morgan Foundation is interested in, clean water. Um, but what is of most interest and most relevance here, I think, is the pest um, targeting. Now, we're doing it. Arakanui is doing it. Peninsula, Otago Peninsula is doing it. Dock is doing it everywhere. The Penguin Reserves are doing it. And um, Gareth Morgan gathered some controversy with his comments about cats, but, you know, cat control is a very serious issue. They are incredible predators. There's a lot of feral cats around Dunedin and New Zealand. And so it's an issue that we must face. But also ferrets, stoats, weasels, hedgehogs, possums. And there's a lot of introduced predators that are making it hard for the native birds to survive and and invertebrates as well. Uh, So Jeff will be interesting speaking at the museum. He will come uh, for a pofuri at uh, midday at Otako Marae. And then he will, will take him around. He'll see some of that conservation work. So that's going to be really interesting. If you can project yourself a little bit further into the future, <clears throat> Neil, excuse me, and say when you meet to debrief about this inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival, what are your hopes in terms of the things you're going to take away from this festival and the potential for the future of it? Um, I hope mainly that the people who've got out there have had a really good time and uh, encountered something maybe they haven't before or have done something that they love doing and are working with other people on doing it. Um, so we hope people will get out and discover something new, try something new. Um, and we hope that the uh, response is strong enough that it'll help us go to next year, make application for more serious funding, because this year has been on the smell of an oily rag, a lot of volunteering, um, a lot of contributions in kind from a lot of great supporters, including Otago Access Radio. Um, and so I hope we will make and will be in time to make application to funding bodies. We now also quite recently had our charitable trust status confirmed, um, granted to us, so we can make application to bodies uh, with, with that status. And so we can gather ideas and funding for a strong event next year. I think this community group event is kind of the heart of the festival and our trust, that that's our aim, to... Um, have people celebrate nature, to learn about Dunedin's special nature, and to get out and try and help it. That's the heart of it. 
You've mentioned um, supporters, and there are some key supporters. There are many, and I know you can't mention them all, but it probably is fair to acknowledge, uh, Neil, some of the key organisations have made Wild Dunedin possible this year. Yeah, well, the organising committee really comprises a lot of the key nature organisations, the Department of Conservation, um, Orokanui, Tiger Peninsula Trust, the museum, the university, Dock, Yellowwood Penguin Trust, uh, Utako Runanga, Dunedin City Council, so you name it, a few of our um, commercial operators in there, you name it and, and the people are helping. Well, it's time now for people to, to, to get a hold of their program, Neil, and start planning their experience of Wild Dunedin. Where can they find out more information about this wonderful festival? Uh, easiest way is to go online, www.wilddunedin, and that will uh, get them to our website, which is looking really nice. Um, so the program is there. There's also some really nice stories of a bit, a bit of depth of some of the things they can do so they can decide what it is they want to do. Um, there are brochures uh, available, and they can be picked up from the eyesight, uh, from the library, uh, and also they're spread around the cafes and other places around town. Neil Harrow, I want to thank you for coming in this morning on the Awesome Morning Show to talk about the inaugural Wild Dunedin Festival gets underway on Earth Day, the 22nd of April, and runs right through the weekend and includes Monday, the 25th of April. Uh, on the Awesome Morning Show over the coming couple of weeks, we'll hear, hear more about uh, Wild Dunedin. All the very best uh, for your experience of it, Neil. Good luck. Thank you. This program was first broadcast on Otago Access Radio and made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air.